Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. On a mission to bring the benefits of sport to kids everywhere, they go beyond technology to provide leaders with professional development and relationship building, and to work with sports-based organizations to address issues of accessibility and equality. To learn more, find them at League Apps com or as league apps on all of the social networks now here's the host of the show longtime soccer broadcaster and voice of united soccer coaches dean linky i am dean linky this is the united soccer coaches podcast it is presented by league apps and we have another fine show for you today we wrap up api heritage month with tiffany roberts sahady entering her 11th season as the head coach at ucf she was a World Cup champion, a national champion at UNC, a WUSA champion, and she is a champion for the API Heritage Group in so many ways. Tiffany Roberts-Sahady kicks off the show. I want to thank Ashu Saxena again for pushing all these great people forward. Yolanda Thomas, now the assistant coach with the Orlando Pride of the NWSL. She is such a great advocate for soccer mom she's such a great advocate for the black soccer coaches community such a great advocate for women's soccer coaches she is fantastic she follows tiffany roberts sahidi so there's two people from orlando how about that yolanda is awesome then we hit the training ground with dr rachel linball and we end with zach hansen a member of our 30 under 30 class we get rolling after this message from our presenting sponsor lee gaps We bet you didn't get into this business for the back office duties. That's why we created League Apps, the industry's leading youth sports management platform. So you can spend less time with busy work and more time doing what you love. League Apps provides organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. Once again, here's the host of the show, Dean Linky. Kicking off this week's United Soccer Coaches Podcast with our final tip of the hat to API Heritage Month and the API Soccer Coaches community. I want to thank Ashu Saxena for pushing forward such wonderful people. And it's hard to find a more wonderful person, quite frankly, than Tiffany Roberts Sahadik who, by the way, was the 2022 API Award of Excellence recipient. She's now entering her 11th year with her husband, Tim Sahadik, as the head coach and associate head coach of UCF down in Florida, where they continue to do amazing things. Pretty much her entire life, Tiffany Roberts Sahadik has done amazing things. She's been on the podcast a lot. Thanks for kicking off this week's show as we celebrate API Heritage Month. Thank you. And thanks for uh, recognizing such a special month for us. Yeah, it's been great. We've had amazing guests and, you know, a shoe has seen this grow from like just a little tiny pea into a giant tree, I think is the best way to describe it. You've seen the growth firsthand, TR. How are you feeling about it? Well, I love it. I mean, there's a, it's a special community. And I think that when you know there's other people out there that have shared similar experiences to you and have a similar culture or background or challenges, um, it feels good to know that you have that support and someone that can really have that empathy. So, um, yeah, so I, I think it's amazing, amazing, amazing. And I've met so many people and following more people and it's very, um, 
it's just uh, inspiring because you're you're just realizing how many people are out there that we need to celebrate. Um, and so it's it's been great and it's a very supportive community for sure, which is really cool. You know, that's so well said the way you put it. And I think you're smart enough to know that at the tip of that inspiration is you. You know, I mean, all of your accomplishments, winning all the national championships in North Carolina, you know, winning uh, the World Cup, being a part of the Olympics, doing everything you've done, being a great coach, always being a great role model. And I don't say that with any pressure. I think it's something that you've embraced and are enjoying. Is that fair to say? Oh, for sure. And, you know, honestly, like growing up, I don't know if I thought about it as much. You know, I think I thought of like I identified myself like just as like a a, a girl soccer player and I was a soccer player. Uh, but I don't think that I put enough emphasis on my heritage uh, growing up. And um, and so now that uh, people are recognizing it more, I'm recognizing it more, um, which we should, you know, I mean, obviously that diversity is so important and to be that role model for, for young kids and say, hey, because I didn't really have a lot of Thing Asian or Asian American uh, Pacific Islander role models to look up to. So I was more just looking at any female, you know, if I could find a female athlete, like, there you go, you know, like mm -hmm. Michelle Akers and Karen, you know, Jennings, Gabera and April Heinrich. So I'm like, okay, those are, that, that's who I'm going to look up to. But there weren't many, like I could identify with the Asian American or Pacific Islander uh, uh, people. So it's, I, I could, but it was like in a different industry, right? It'd be like in singing or like dancing or entertainment. So, but in sports, not as much. So uh, it's, it's pretty cool to, to know that I could be like that person for a young person. You've done it before, but if you could remind us your heritage uh, of your mom and dad, so people, uh, you know, understand your background and, and your heritage during API Heritage Month. Yeah, I know, I'm glad you asked. Um, so my mom is from the Philippines. And uh, she, you know, has been an immigrant, came here when uh, she was only 16 years old uh, with her family. She has two older siblings and, and mom and dad, you know, from the Philippines. And so uh, it's pretty cool. Um, her dad, Lolo, is uh, grandpa in, in Filipino language uh, culture. So uh, my Lolo, my mom's dad, uh, came over, set up shop, you know, in, in San Francisco and started uh, a business and uh, jewelry and uh, engraving. And, uh, you know, just it's it's so inspiring to know they came over here not with much and then how well they did and kind of lived out that American dream. And um, so anyway, that's my mom. And uh, so she grew up in, you know, San Francisco in the Bay Area. And then my dad is uh, his parents are actually from England. Um, so I had British grandparents on my dad's side. So it's pretty cool uh, having, you know, two different sides and totally two different cultures and opposite ends of the spectrum. But I will be uh, honest, like I, I really grew up more in the Filipino culture because my dad's parents uh, passed uh, when I was still a baby. And so we weren't immersed in like the English, like British side as much. And my mom's family was here and from the Philippines. And so every gathering was with the family. And so like the food and, and the music and the hospitality and the language, um, uh, that's what I grew up in. So um, I would say that I would, I feel, you know, a little bit more, not a little bit, I do. I feel more uh, connected to my Filipino side for sure. 
And where did the sports come into play? I mean, who was the influence on sports? Because it's not like, you know, in the Philippines, you think sports all the time, that type of thing. You know, I mean, where what was the sports influence, TR? Yeah, the sports influence definitely came from my dad. Uh, it's, it's sports in the Filipino. It's not it's not like all the all the Lola's and the moms uh, want their daughters to be in the entertainment industry, you know, be singing and dancing, which, of course, my mom, you know, I had singing instructor and, uh, you know, everything, because I think that's the route my mom was pushing me towards. But uh, I have three older brothers and uh, my dad was an athlete. And he just treated me like my, my brothers, you know, they, they got into sports and when it was, when I got old enough, they, they threw me into soccer, running track. Oh, I was doing gymnastics and, uh, yeah, he just kind of treated me like my, my big, you know, I was just one of the, one of the kids. And, uh, I know my, I don't, I don't think my mom was like questioning it, but I, I definitely could feel that she liked when I was doing like ballet and going mm-hmm. to my singing recital. Like she enjoyed that a little bit more for sure. But I just really took a liking to the competitive physical <laughs> aspect of, you know, sport and running and that camaraderie. And I just loved it so much. And I was thankful that my dad uh, was there to kind of support me. And then my brothers obviously helped me get better by kicking my butt pretty much every week. So, <laughs> well, and because you had such a, for lack of a better word, I think it's fair to say majestic career as an athlete with tons of championships and tons of accolades. I was wondering about your three older brothers. Did they have any success in sports outside of high school? And with that TR follow-up would be how proud are they of you? I mean, are they still following everything you're doing with your success in sports as the coach at UCF? Oh my gosh. My brothers are so awesome. They're the best, biggest brothers. I wouldn't have said this when I was like 15, you know, <laughs> when they were like chasing guys out of the house, you know, um, <laughs> that was not fun. Uh, like don't mess with, you know, Robert's little sister type thing, but, uh, but no, they are super supportive and, uh, they, you know, they did not, uh, play outside of, uh, high school, you know, they, they were all athletes and they all played, but, um, you know, my, my brother who is the one closest to me, uh, in age, he actually, so he's, I don't know, um, in his forties or almost 50, I think, um, he like, is still competitive. Like he does like hockey, ice hockey, like he grew up playing ice hockey and, um, he's still doing that or like soccer, you know, on the weekends recreationally. So he's actually still really active uh, physically. My oldest brother became a secret service agent. <laughs> so he's retired now, but he was on like Biden's detail and uh, Cheney's wow. detail. So it was really pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then my, the brother in the middle, um, he's uh, like in the food industry, he's a chef and he's down in Long Beach. So we all kind of went our separate ways, but we were all involved in sports. And I really think that they helped, you know, shape me and help me with my mentality. I think because we all played sports in the streets and there were a lot of boys on our street and I just tried to hang and again, would lose all the time. Uh, but no one let me cry about it and said, Hey, you want to play? Like basically roll up your sleeves and come play with us or go home, you know, like, so and my dad treated me that way too. So I think everyone around me helped me like just, learn how to lose and be resilient, get back up and keep playing. So I think in the end, like that really helped me. 
Um, but my brothers now too, in your second question, yes, they're super supportive. They love UCF. They love following, um, you know, mine and Tim's career at UCF as college coaches. And then recently being part of the U S women's national team, you know, technical staff and being assistant coach, like, um, they are like, they're back in their U S gear. It's kind of cool because, mm -hmm. You know, like they've, they've always been supportive when I was a player for the U.S. team and now they're back and then, you know, I got to get a new current U.S. gear because it can't be wearing this 1999 <laughs> or stuff. <laughs> Actually, it's kind of cool again, you know, the vintage stuff. So my daughter wears it, but, uh, but yeah, they're just, you know, they, they came to the Olympics with like no shirts on, like just painted bodies, like <laughs> Roberts number five on the back. Like they were, they're, they're very, yeah, loud and supportive. And uh, I couldn't ask for a bit, better big brothers for sure. And and they love Tim. So they love that we do it together. And yeah, it's cool. That's great. Well, I'm yeah. glad you mentioned your work now with U.S. soccer. Can you tell us, I mean, obviously you've always been a part of the U.S. soccer family because of your success as a player, but can you tell me now how long you've been working in the U.S. soccer staff and how much you're enjoying that, Tiffany? Oh my goodness. It's a, it's a dream. Like I feel very, you know, I'm honored. I'm, I'm thankful uh, to be part of such an incredible uh, staff. So obviously coaching staff with Vlaco, um and uh, you know, the whole entire staff. And it's so different. Like when I was a player, it'd be like, we had however many staff, you know, I think there was like less than 10 staff members. Now, you know, we go to a game, there's like 40, like a, <laughs> 40 delegation, you know, 40 person delegation for just the staff alone, not even including the, <laughs> the team. So that has changed a lot, but um, I've been part of the technical staff as assistant coach for about a year and a half now and uh, headed to the world cup here soon, which is really cool. So it'll be my first experience on the coaching side at a world cup, but again, the, the support that, um, we receive as a technical staff and just like my own colleagues within the technical staff have been, uh, very supportive. And, you know, I, you know, we all contribute in different ways and, you know, I just have a different perspective of being a player and have played for the U S so, um, you know, hopefully I can provide some of that insight from being in, in their shoes and then being that support person for the actual players, right. That, that are maybe experiencing it for the first time. And then obviously, well, I'm sure we'll have some veterans too. So I still say I'd put that 99 team and even the 91 team up against about any team out there. That 91 team was pretty special as you were still pretty young. I think you first started playing in 94 for the USA, but you know, you know, the names on 91, a lot of them were on 99, that 99 team was off the charts, but in your own words, Tiffany Roberts, now that you're on the coaching staff, what has been the biggest change you've seen comparing what you went through in 99 with that team and the level of play technically, tactically, the whole thing to what they now are doing in 2024? You know, it, it is so different uh, because as far as like times have changed, like we just didn't have the resources or like video, like think about we do so much video analysis now. And so the players today get a ton of feedback, which helps them improve uh, immediately, drastically, where they can watch it, get that immediate feedback. Um, uh, and then all of the, just the the data that, that we have. And um, obviously, you know, we have to compare that to, you know, subjective and objective, and you kind of compare the two things. And sometimes that objective 
information can confirm what you already kind of intuitively know just by being around the game. But it's nice to have that confirmation and that feedback. But today, I mean, they're just they just have so much information. Like think about the nutrition, the way that they take care of their bodies. Um, they have more resources as far as like individually, as far as money goes, so they can hire uh, different types of trainers, uh, sports performance coaches and mental performance coaches. And so they just have so much more to help them be at their best where, you know, we had to be at our best with, with limited and, um, but you know, who, who knows, but these, these players today are incredible, incredible human beings. I want to say that first and foremost, uh, but, um, they, they are, uh, quite the athletes. And then also just having the opportunity to watch the game, play the game at a higher level. Right. So they're, they're just learning and growing so much faster, I think, than we did when we were playing. Switching back to a more serious issue as it is API heritage month, we are all aware of a lot of the bias towards that community, particularly coming off of COVID. And of course, you, with all of your success, you know you have to take on kind of a leadership role to try to fight against that bias collectively with the API community and in any way you can, I would guess. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think it's going to be an ongoing you know, project and an ongoing uh, challenge uh, that we have to continue to fight through, but you know, I'm I like to live with love and positivity, and and that's how I'll continue to uh, grow and develop, and I think communicate. And uh, um, but for sure, like um, it is sad uh, for sure. But you know, the more that we can have. Uh, people of color and um, people from the API community be in uh, roles um, that are, you know, out there that people can see and watch and listen to and learn from. I think that, you know, that's definitely going to be helpful and there can be that connection and um, we can get rid of that bias. But obviously this is, this is going to be an ongoing, ongoing uh, battle. Um, but the more that we can celebrate and honor and put people in positions that um, where we have representation is is so important. So I'll keep fighting for that and keep, you know, taking up opportunities when I can speak anytime and and be there to help lead or to help support. Um, you know, that's that's what I'm that's I'm happy to like and proud to be in a position. To yeah, do that. I guess one with that, because you're doing so much and you're also a mom to two wonderful daughters. And so bandwidth becomes a question, but it does seem like what a shoe again, going back to him as the leader, but it's in the shoe. will even say it's more than him, but it seems like despite, you know, potentially limited bandwidth, cause you're doing so much TR, you still try to find time to help the API soccer coaches community and United soccer coaches. You know, why have you done that? Cause that's pretty honorable of you. Honestly, I, I, you know, you say that and inside I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I really don't feel like I've done enough. Like, I still feel like there's more that I should find time to do. So I don't, I don't even feel like, I don't know. There's a big part of me that feels like I haven't scratched the surface. So I, there is more that I, I believe that I need to do. So, um, but it is just important to me um, to answer your question. It's important to me because like I mentioned earlier, in our conversation, we just didn't have anybody in these positions to 
um, to represent, you know, no one, no one representing this community and someone that's leading in this area and speaking on it and connecting with others in the same culture. And I think it's just so important because I said earlier, it's inspiring, you know, it's, it's inspiring to others to say, well, I look like that. That's, you know, oh, I see myself in that person. Oh, let me try and do that. Like, it's so important. I mean, I did that when I was younger, but it was just looking at a female athlete, not necessarily, you know, an Asian American athlete. So if I didn't watch Jackie Joyner Kersey and Mary Lou Retton when I was in second grade, like, I don't, I don't know if that would have, uh, I don't know if I would have been an athlete, but I had to, I got to see them in the Olympics, you know, on TV and that inspired me and that, you know, ignited something inside me. So if, if I was just watching guys on TV, um, I don't, I don't think I would have had that same fire, you know? So it's so important to have that representation and, uh, that's, that's why I want to do it. And also you mentioned having two young daughters. It's really important to me to, to be a good example to my daughters as a, as a woman. Um, and then also part of the API community, like I will tell you, I am very proud, like on a, it could be daily basis. Like they're very proud to be like Asian American. Like they're very proud to be, you know, part Filipina, like, and, you know, my, my oldest daughter, she's a freshman in high school. It was really cool, but she, um, part of, uh, she's in an AP human geography course. And, um, I think they had to bring something in for something, I don't know, choose a culture or something. So she, of course she chose uh, the Philippines. And so she brought in, she, you know, she took me, we know where the closest, you know, Filipino market is here. There aren't very many. So, but thankfully there's one kind of close to our house. She asked me, mom, you gotta take me. I gotta bring some snacks in. And, she, you know, so she's teaching uh, her class all about the Filipino culture and she's very connected to it. Um, and so is my other daughter, Evie. And I think Evie gets a little bit disappointed. And this is what's really cool is because Layla, Layla, Hat looks a little bit more Filipino. She has she has brown skin. You look at her and you're like, okay, um, she she's part you know Asian or Filipino or maybe Latina. But Evie got my husband's skin, Caucasian, blue eyes, and I think she gets a little disappointed sometimes when she's not recognized as Asian. You know, and I'm like, wow, things have changed a lot. I used to get a little bit embarrassed when I was little because you know I can get called names by kids when I was little. Now it's like the cool thing, you know? So now Evie, who's Caucasian and fair-skinned, blue eyes, she's kind of like, wait, I want people to know that I'm Filipino, you know? So it's like such a cool thing. And so much, you know, has changed. So I love that even though we're dealing with the bias and there's, um, you know, Asian hate is, is still out there. My kids are celebrating it. And my kids think it's really cool. And- I think our community, especially, you know, in Orlando celebrates it really well. There's a lot of diversity here. We have a different, lot of different festivals and different types of foods to eat. So you can really be um, open and have the opportunity to try things and be part of different cultures. So I think it's cool that my, my kids think it's cool. <laughs> That's awesome. This is a little bit more self-surfing. You, uh, you think cool. I was so proud to tell you that my son just graduated last Saturday from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. It's the only place he ever wanted to go to. And I know you had a lot of pride there. And I definitely wanted to share that with you that I, I also have a Tar Heel, just like you, you know, you being a Tar Heel, TR, I, I loved it. I love that he loved being a Tar Heel and he cherished every moment of it. That's so cool. Well, you know, it's, it's fun having 
kids and to watch them thrive. I mean, that's what we really like live for. I think as parents is just to see your kids kind of become their own people and see them thriving in whatever it is that they choose to do. So yeah. I'll end with this. I've been doing this now long enough where a month ago I was out in Houston doing an ECL selection all-star game. And in the lineup was Stacy Burt's daughter. Yes. Okay. So you and Stacy Burt, Hega, you know, some of my favorite players and now Stacy Burt's daughter's there. Stacy couldn't make it, but she found out I was calling the game. And so, I mean, obviously it means that, you know, old and fat and that type of thing, but I also <laughs> love the fact that I get to see the second cycle. It's kind of a neat part of like what I do, TR. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. Yeah. I've been in touch with Birdie and um, I can't really say much more about the recruiting part. I might get in trouble, but um, <laughs> her kid's pretty good. Uh, but, um, but yeah, we, we keep in touch because, you know, in Orlando we'll host uh, events and ECNL events. So Birdie's been over and uh, we'll have dinner together at the house and our kids have met and hung out. And I mean, I'm telling you, like, uh, being part of sport and just being part of teams that you've been connected to, you know, the relationship part is the best thing. And we all talk, you know, you hear that, you hear that. I think about like our 99ers and we talk about, you know, we loved winning, of course, like we want to win, but like, we just miss each other. We miss the relationships. And that's how I feel about my courage teammates, my Chapel Hill teammates, my national team teammates. Like, you know, when you have an opportunity to get together, it's, it's really just the best thing. And I love following everybody's uh, life and, and seeing what they're up to and now their children and their careers and how they're impacting the game. And really there's, there's someone out, you know, every single person is impacting the game or like the world that, you know, in, in some capacity, which is pretty cool. Like I feel cool. I keep using the word cool, but I'm like, I feel cool. Like I know that girl, I know that, girl. you know, she's doing that. She's doing that. Uh, yeah. So um, well, I, I feel, feel pretty cool knowing you and knowing that you've <laughs> always been available for us and also that you've always been available for the API soccer coaches community. You knew a shoe wanted you to be a part of this month. You made it happen. I want to wish you the best of luck being on the World Cup staff. Love to see him win three in a row and and you get another world championship as an assistant coach. And as you and Tim enter your 11th season at UCF, certainly wish you and UCF, all the best. TR, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for kicking off this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thanks, Dean. And thank you for like taking the time um, to have this discussion um, about our culture and the API community. It's it's really special to us, so we appreciate it. Quite simply, to know Tiffany Roberts Sahadik is to love her. I know Ashu Saxena feels the same way with her role with the API Soccer Coaches community. What a great way to kick things off. When we return, we meet Yolanda Thomas on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. She is part of the Black Soccer Coaches community, and she is another rock star pushed forward by Nicole Hercules and Andrew Richardson and that great crew as well. We meet Miss Thomas on the bounce. Introducing the first ever CoachCon, presented by Soccer.com in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, August 11th through the 13th. Register now to experience distinct coaching education from top-level professionals and earn a special topics diploma in game analysis or organizational leadership. Spots are extremely limited. Register today at unitedsoccercoaches.org slash CoachCon. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Great to kick the show off with Tiffany Roberts Sahadik as we celebrate API Heritage Month. That was awesome. And as you know, I have been moved ever since the Black Soccer Coaches Legends event at the United Soccer Coaches. So we continue to spread the message of 
great, powerful black coaches, men and women. Today, a powerful woman, Yolanda Thomas, who is recommended by Nicole Hercules and quite frankly recommended by anybody who knows her. She is on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. It's been too long. Great to have you on. How are you doing, Yolanda? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Andy. Yeah. Well, I need to know, were you at that event on Saturday night? Because I still feel like I was there. I still feel like I am there. I wasn't, actually. I had to miss out as I was between jobs and getting ready to move, so I couldn't make it. Okay. You've heard good things, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was off the charts. I mean, there were so many people in there. It was the best social of the event. So knowing that from where the black soccer coaches were, and Kendall did great work. People before Kendall did great work. But to be fair, Nicole Hercules is Herculean and what she's done for the black soccer coaches community. Can you echo that thought? Yeah, though she, <laughs> Herculean is, is about the right description. Uh, I mean, I think uh, she's an amazing person, first and foremost. Um, always wants to help, wants to connect people, and wants to do the right thing. Has a great passion for the game, but also passion for growing the game. So I think in, in just as a human being, she's certainly likable and lovable. She also happens to be very capable at a lot of things, right? And so she's certainly driven driven the, the group uh, from the moment she took over and until she stepped aside um, to engage in lots of different initiatives, but also just to network. When I first got connected with, with Nicole, I was really just looking for some allies. And so it wasn't so much about the work we we're about to do. It was a, a, a listening ear, a friend, you know, and so that's how she's forged a lot of um, relationships across the country. And then we've put our heads together and obviously done some great work as well. Likeable, lovable, and capable. Those are great <laughs> words. Those were your words. I think we'll continue to use those. Thanks for sharing those. And you said part of the reason you weren't there is because you were getting ready for a new job. Get us caught up on your new job and what you're doing and how excited you are, please. Yeah. So I'm currently the assistant coach for the Orlando Pride and the NWSL. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm having a lot of fun, but that included moving from the state of Oklahoma to the state of Florida. I'm also a, a wife and a mother of three. So uh, moving is not an easy task. And so, yeah, I was uh, preparing to move and whatnot. And I've been here now, uh, I don't know how many months, we're the third into the season. I only know when we play a game. I don't know what day of the week it is. So <laughs> right now we're match day minus two. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, it's been really great. It's been a lot of fun. My first time in the NWSL, um, new team, new group. I knew some of the staff here, our general manager, Haley Carter, who uh, used to be our women's chair. Um, and then uh, Seb Hines, our head coach, he and I took the A license together. So I knew some of the staff out here and obviously some of the players, but um, it's been really fun, really fun, challenging, exciting. Um, it's a neat time to be part of the NWSL as well. Obviously, we're coming out of a, a tough season for women's soccer across the board, but it's a fantastic time to be a part of, of pushing us forward in the direction we need to go. And you just got a big win over Washington, I believe, right? We sure did. All right. That's what <laughs> they I'm were undefeated, about. and we beat them at home. Uh, we're, we're on a streak right now. Uh, you know, this really has kind of been a rebuilding project. Obviously, Orlando Pride went through some difficulties as well. Um, on and off the field. And so we've, we've got a great staff and, and a great ownership group that has a long-term vision. And so that's what we're working towards. But, um, you know, right now, coaches, staff, players, we believe we can beat anybody as long as we put our heads together and put the work down. And so that's what we're doing, trying to do week in and week out. 
your story is amazing. And now that we're sitting here, I remember actually having you on before talking about the fact of primarily being a mom and coach and everything else. I want to get back to that. But I do also want to reflect on the fact that you mentioned Haley and Seb. So just like you, those are two powerful players that have done more than just show up. I mean, they've showed out, right, to help the sport move forward. Yeah, no, and that was really a deciding factor for me when I decided to take the job. Obviously, you know, you can get excited about any opportunity to get to work in the NWSL and the pros game. And, and I think any coach can relate to that. But I have also found that it's really important to, uh, to take the right opportunity and to take it because it's right for you and because it's the right fit or it doesn't matter how blingy it is, uh, you won't have a good time. And so for me, that was a big part. I knew Haley, I knew Seb, and I knew that uh, aside from obviously trying to win games, they would try to do right by people. They would try to move the club in a direction that um, you know has been set for the club and, and, and in a direction that I can agree with the values and the goals. Uh, and that was important to me. Um, we also have a lot of fun day to day. <laughs> I think working with people who recognize that their impact is beyond the wins and losses is uh, something to be cherished. And I think we have a lot of those people around us every day. And so um, we have a lot of fun day in and day out, um, push each other. Anytime you're around talented, capable people, you're also challenged and uh, pushed to be better, to see things a different way. So, so that's great. Um, yeah, we have a, a powerhouse of a staff and, and it's fun. Yeah, amen. Now, I know that you have done some great things and I wanna get to that in a second but I mean I gotta believe when you got the call and even with the mom of three uh, it, you had to go right you had to go right to join the NWSL knowing that they made all these changes to make it better you had to go right yeah no it's kind of funny uh, over the course of a few months my husband and I had really kind of been praying and thinking about what's next for our family and plenty of opportunities actually came along but it just didn't seem right um, and obviously, you know, it's one thing to make a decision just for yourself. It's another thing when you have people depending on you and potentially moving a whole family and all of that good stuff, right? So, but when this one came along, yeah, it was sort of a no-brainer for both of us. It was just a bit daunting to think about practically moving the family. Obviously, my husband then would be leaving his job. And so, and you know, kids, they have to adjust to a new school, a new place. I knew before even talking to Haley and Seb in detail that, I would be needed ASAP. And so I came out here end of February and uh, we wanted our kids to finish the school semester. So that meant my husband has now been a single parent <laughs> for, oh, going on, let's see, two months here. And we have the end of this week to go. They just finished school. So actually after our game here um, on Saturday in Chicago, I'm flying home and we're, we're, we're moving the, the house and the people in it. <laughs> and so, you know, that's a big sacrifice that we've made as a family. It certainly isn't easy being away from the kids either. Um, and. Yeah, God bless him. He's he's been on his own for a few months. So. Well, let, um, let's put a name to him since you God blessed him. Give me his name. Yeah. And give me all your kids' names, please. Philip Thomas is my husband, and yeah, he's he's super dad right now. Um, a great support to me as well. And my kids are Sasha. She's nine, going on ten. Solomon turns seven here in a few weeks. Shiloh just turned two last week. So those are my three. Now, it doesn't hurt, I would think, and I don't know how much you use the Mickey Mouse card, but the Mickey Mouse card doesn't hurt for those ages, does it? No, it doesn't at all. <laughs> for a moment, it was like, oh, we're going to miss my our friends. And then 30 seconds later, it was Disney World. <laughs> <Let's go." laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Now, they're, yeah. 
they're resilient kids and you know they've grown up with me being on the field they've grown up with with their parents engaging in in sort of non-traditional jobs with non-traditional schedules it's what they know we make sure we prioritize and make sure that they they feel our presence and and our love but um they're excited as well um you know it's it's I think a lot of time we carry guilt that we don't need to per se, um, because there are ways to absolutely be there for for your children that don't entire and involve a nine to five day to day, you know. And so um, they're precious and and they're strong individuals and have certainly been understanding and are actually excited to get out here too. Well, you're an advocate on so many levels. You're an advocate with the women's soccer coaches group. You're an advocate with the black soccer coaches group. And now I'm reminded that one of the things that we talked about before, and you were on a podcast, and that's about being a mom as well, because I remember you so distinctly talking about the pressures of that, like being pregnant on the sideline and dealing with all of that. So just speak out again for the importance of, you know, no, no matter what level that if you're a mom and you still want to coach, you can still get it done. Yeah, no, I think, you know, a lot of women are faced with a choice of do I go into coaching or not? And what does that mean if I do? And for, for many, whether we think about it ourselves or it's thrown in our face at some point by family, friends or people who don't know us, it's that choice between being a mother, having a family and or pursuing a career in coaching. And Unfortunately, we still have many women who either enter the, the career and have such a difficult time that they leave it too early or just choose not to enter at all. And so I knew early on that I was going to coach. I didn't quite know how I was going to do it, but I had this conviction that I'm going to find a way. Um, Philip has been my number one supporter, and it really comes down to for us is it's not if it's possible, it's how can we make it possible. And so there are certainly challenging times and being pregnant in and of itself is a challenge. If you have been pregnant or you've known someone who's been pregnant or maybe you're a father, you've seen it, right? So it comes yeah. to challenges for anyone, but doing it while also coaching and traveling um, and, you know, a lot of the stairs. I mean, you're, you're typically a little heightened emotionally anyway when you're pregnant, right? And so then having to deal with comments sometimes why are you here or you shouldn't be here or just stares. Um, it's, it's not easy. And over time, it accumulates um, being a woman as well. You know, a lot of times uh, I've coached club soccer as a DOC. I've coached um, college soccer as a head coach and an assistant coach. And a lot of times your presence is questioned, right? People would walk right past me as a head coach and ask my assistant all the questions because they assume he's the head coach. And so, you know, all of that can, can eat at you if you, if you let it. So, that was actually one of the reasons I connected with Nicole and the Black Soccer Coaches Group, because I realized if I don't connect with other like-minded people who will push me in the right direction, I'm not going to last in this profession. And that's also how the Moms Who Coach group started. Um, you know, we all just kind of figured we need each other. We didn't know what we were going to do within that group, but we figured we needed each other. And so that's led to a lot of initiatives of just supporting each other, but also coming up with a sort of best practices for clubs to support moms who want to continue coaching for administrations at high schools and, and colleges to support moms who want to continue coaching and, and perhaps here soon also at the, at the pro level. So, you know, it's challenging. You run into a lot of challenges, but um, I think I've found a way to highlight the privileges I also enjoy. You know, my kids get to grow up on the sideline. My kids get to see all these phenomenal players 
who turn into phenomenal women off the field as well. Um, they get to go a lot of places, see a lot of things that other kids don't do. And so it's also about focusing on the positive that this career brings, not just the negative. Yolanda Thomas, you are a power player on so many levels for all those reasons I just discussed. And I told you I wanted to ask about your entire background. Tell me where you grew up. Tell me where your maiden name was. Tell me where you went to college and walk me through the steps. Give me your elevator speech on how you ended up uh, at Orlando Pride. Can you fill all that in? I hope you don't yeah. miss anything, but I'd love to hear it all. Yeah, no, for sure. So I was actually born and raised in Sweden but I am of Swedish and Kenyan descent. So I spent a lot of time in Sub-Saharan Africa as well, uh, as I have a lot of family in, in Kenya and when I was a kid in Zimbabwe as well. Um, and so I think I had a rich cultural background growing up. Um, in Sweden, I played my youth soccer and actually senior soccer at the time. Um, played for the youth national team in Sweden all through, the, all through the years. Played actually in the top league before I went to college. Um, at the time, it was an amateur league, and so I played for several years there, senior football since I was about 15 years old. Um, but I really wanted to get an education. And funny story, I was actually committed to the University of North Carolina. And to make a really long story short, compliance deemed me ineligible, and they made an error. I happened to knew somebody that knew somebody at Oklahoma State University. And at the time, they weren't that great <laughs> in soccer. And so I was a big recruit. Um, being a, a youth national team player. So for them, it was kind of like, let's see if we can try to get this kid eligible. And uh, they did. So eight months later, later, the NCAA said, yeah, we made a mistake, you can play. And so at that point, I was kind of like, I don't really know where Oklahoma is, but I guess I'll go, you know, they've done all this stuff for me, right? And so the program was young, a lot of fantastic staff and fantastic players, but really just hadn't grown into what it is today just yet. And so I played four years at Oklahoma State University. Um, we went to the NCAA tournament three times, won the Big 12 once, um, and became the first All-American in the state of Oklahoma, actually. So that was a cool experience. It was really cool to be a part of a program that wasn't that much when I started with it and then was kind of regionally and nationally known when I ended. And so um, fantastic staff and people all around there. And so, so, yeah, I graduated from Oklahoma State University and then signed to go home and play in Sweden again play Champions League and, and in the Dalman Svenskan in Sweden. And I had a back injury that really held me back. And so I had to get surgery and it was a good year of rehab. And really kind of in that period, I realized um, I was a coach. I think I was always on the field, the person, the player, the teammate coaching everybody. All right, everybody move this way. We do this, you know, do that. And so um, I, because I couldn't play, I went back to school, did a master's degree, and during that time uh, served as an assistant as well at Oklahoma State University. And it became really evident to me that I actually enjoyed helping others achieve their dreams and goals even more than I did achieving mine on the field. And so that's really where I, I the passion for coaching was solidified for me. And so um, from there on, I worked at every level imaginable in the state of Oklahoma, <laughs> from you know developmental programs with two-year-olds to rec soccer, club soccer, high school soccer. Um, coached several high, uh, high school years and uh, high school seasons in the area, um, and then went into collegiate coaching at the University of Tulsa, um, Roger State University, um, and then a club DOC. Um, did some scouting with the U.S. soccer, still do. Um, and then, yeah, throughout this time, I think what's really important is the relationships you make. It's the relationships you invest in and listen to people, be willing to learn and, and connect with people. And that's really 
um, the building relationships along with obviously grinding and, and pursuing licenses in the, in the course of three pregnancies. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I still achieved, I was actually pr uh, pregnant right before I had my baby right before doing the A license. So there were a lot of Zooms with, uh, you know, breastfeeding and that kind of thing. <laughs> so, um, but uh, no, so I uh, did the A license and obviously got connected with, with Seb Hines and then through United Soccer Coaches got connected with Haley Carter and obviously they'd seen my work, my body of work and, and we connected on a personal level as well and that's really what led to the opportunity here in Orlando and so um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a fantastic journey. The game will take you all over if you let it, um, but it's also been a lot of grind and, and really committing to becoming the best coach that you can be. And I think that's a, that's a really important piece. It, to me, it, it matters less what opportunity you have in front of you. What matters is what you do with that opportunity. And I think there are ways to excel, whether you're at a small club coaching youth soccer or in the pros, you can excel in the high school environment and the college environment, it doesn't matter. People tend to see your work if you just stay at it. Wow, so awesome. I love that you shared your story and it kind of leads me to sort of two credos that my mom and dad always talked to me and that told me, and that was that, you know, good work leads to more work. And I think good things happen to good people. And I think that is you in a nutshell. And I'm not saying that in a sycophantic way. It's just, I can feel you coming through and uh, it's awesome. And, you know, to be able to reconnect with you on this after, you know, having had you on before on a webinar or a, or a podcast, I can't remember exactly, but I know you were awesome on that one as well. Talking particularly about the soccer moms. You have so many fascinating layers to you, Yolanda. And I'm so glad now that you're bringing it to the NWSL. I'll close with this. We open with Tiffany Roberts Sahedi, who's also right there in Orlando. And you'll probably be able to connect with her as well. Do you know her a little bit too, or? Yeah, yeah. Well, I know of her, right? Who doesn't? <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah, we've, we've met, we've chatted. All right, awesome. Well, as, as we say goodbye, you know, the, the biggest thing is like I started with, and that was, you know, being in that room, I was kind of, there was, I had to get to that room and the story of me getting that room I've covered a million times. But when I got in there and I saw Lincoln Phillips speaking and I saw Nicole Hercules speaking and Kadani McAlpine and Rob Smith and all of these pioneers where I said, you know what, it's time for their stories to be heard and it's time for your story to be heard. And, and I'm not going to slow down. Is that OK? Yeah, no, I think you're doing the right thing. You know, it's something when I walk around in my day-to-day -day life, I don't think of myself as a black woman because I've been a black woman my whole life, right? I just walk around and I'm me and I, I put, put work in and, and in my career. But one thing that's never lost on me is how my presence impacts those who see me because I do realize, and it is uh, clear to me that in a, lot of, in a lot of rooms, at a lot of fields, I'm the only female or I'm the only woman or I'm the only mother, right? And so it's not lost on me the pre my the impact my mere presence can have in some cases and so I'm so thankful to the pioneers within the Black Soccer Coaches community um, who have led the way and who've strengthened those of us who are coming behind and uh, just want to continue um, supporting that effort. You are being seen, you are being heard, and the fact that you're now doing it at the NWSL level in Orlando, I can't wait for you to be reconnected with your three children and your wonderful husband, who's clearly killing it as a single dad while you wrestle in. I can't wait for that. You know, go beat Chicago, go get them, get to Orlando, enjoy yourself. Thanks so much for being on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast. Great to reconnect with you. I'm so proud of you, Yolanda. This has been awesome. Yolanda Thomas, assistant coach for the Orlando Pride in NWSL, a super mom of three, and 
just a power player. This has been an awesome interview. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And I'm so glad that uh, you could be on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Dean, and thanks for being an ally. It's my pleasure, and what a pleasure to spend time with Yolanda Thomas. When we return, we hit the training ground with Dr. Rachel Linball, and we talk about mental health. This is still Mental Health Month, by the way, as well. And Rachel Linball, Dr. Rachel Linball, in fact, knocks it out of the park after these messages. As a soccer coach, you're no stranger to developing your players, but how are you developing your own expertise? As a United Soccer Coaches member, you receive access to a range of resources, like our online learning platform, The Training Ground, to aid in the growth and enhancement of your coaching skills and career. From coaching education courses to lifestyle services, take advantage of new opportunities and member benefits with an annual United Soccer Coaches membership for just $125. Join the home of all coaches today at unitedsoccercoaches.org. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. We've talked a lot about May being API Heritage Month. You also heard me say that May is Mental Health Month. And because of that, we're going to hit the training ground with one of our favorites, Dr. Rachel Linval from The Mindful Project, who's just submitted an article and it's called, I Need a Mental Health Break, How to Navigate Today's Mental Health Culture with our athletes. Dr. Rachel Linball, always great to be with you. Good to see you, doctor. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. You know, it's interesting. Even this past weekend at my son's graduation, I was talking to some of his friends and one young man, I asked him what he's going to do. And he actually said, you know what? I need a mental health break that he said, he actually said that. And it, and I, my kind of response internally, I didn't say it. I was like, wow, that's deep. You know what I mean? But that's kind of where we are today, right? Absolutely. I mean, you're hearing it more and more, which was was really the foundation of why I wrote this article. Okay, so well, let's dive in because you say this phrase has become an increasingly common occurrence out of the mouths of today's athletes. And just like I said, just today's young people, I think, and maybe not just young people, but it just happened to be a young person in, in, in my sense. You say both professional athletes and social media have provided this phrase as a way of speaking up when an athlete feels overwhelmed, taxed, anxious, stressed, or any other number of mental pressures or fatigue. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, I think, you know, just like you talked about uh, your son's friend, I think that that um, this generation, and, and you're right, it's not just this generation, it's other people as well, but, but so much more this generation has experienced so much more stress and anxiety and pressure and uh, really is facing a much greater mental health crisis. And so being given this phrase through, I think the biggest way through social media has given them a way of speaking up saying, I can't handle this right now and I need a break. So I think it's given them vocabulary for a way to speak up. You know, I like your end of your first paragraph because you say all in all, regardless of perspective, this is a challenging time for coaches navigating our culture's current mental health crisis. And I have to admit, going back to my response to it, like I had to process it for a second. I can't imagine being a coach trying to get the most out of their athletes and then having an athlete dealing with this all important issue, mental health. Yeah. And I think it, it's a really tough spot for coaches right now, because I think, you know, as I talk about in this article, we have kind of two different perspectives on this from coaches. And this is something that I heard a lot of conversation around at the convention in January. Um, and you have the, the one side of coaches that are really invested in saying, what can I do for my athletes? They're really invested in kind of the whole person and saying, you know, I want to be attentive to this issue, but they're just not really sure how. 
And then you have the other side that's really kind of balking at this idea and, and really coming at it of saying, I think my athletes are lazy and they're just using it as an excuse. And so I think you really have both sides of that. And so it's a really hot button issue right now, no matter what side you're on. I think you're correct when you say at the end of the day, it's a crisis, right? And in both sides, you know, it's important than, than dealing with it's important. And you say pre-pandemic, your doctoral research showed that stress and anxiety were at all-time highs in the youth through college-age populations. Then, as we all know, the pandemic hit, which skyrocketed these already high numbers. And it is just crazy because I think a lot of times we look at the pandemic as being the catalyst for the stress, anxiety, the need for a mental health break. But really, I mean, it was really high before that. And just a simple example, if we have any readers listening to us, um, the book iGen by Jean Twinge, she was doing research for you know a decade before um, before the, the pandemic. And she actually wrote this book pre-pandemic. And I think it gives a lot of really great easy to digest perspective on, you know, social media's impact on the mental health of, you know, this Gen Z uh, population that is, you know, the, the current population that a lot of our coaches are coaching. Before we dive into the fact that athletes are speaking up, and in fact, like I said, that young man is speaking up and said, I need, he actually said he needed a mental health month. And in fact, he even described it as a mental health map, which I'm not even sure what that is, but it was a new term that, yeah, I hadn't heard before, right? And that's kind of where we are today. But you know, one of the things you say, is there anything you can add or subtract that might prevent this in the future? Is your team culture one that is creating healthy soil for positive mental health outcomes. You have to be thinking about that healthy soil. Absolutely. And that's what I think, you know, I kind of liken it to the concept of like what we do to prevent physical injury, because I started my coaching career in the early 2000s. And I look at where we were at then in terms of preventing physical injury as to where we are now. You know, I think early in the 2000s, it was much more considered like if, if athletes were getting hurt all the time, that it wasn't our fault. It wasn't our fault as coaches. It was somehow the player's problem. Right. And then as we started seeing so many ACLs, they started coming out with ACL protocols and prevention and stuff that you go to, you know, a, a big club uh, field at practice time, training time. And there's a lot of injury prevention, physical injury prevention that is happening as a part of their regular day. And I think that just shows the progress we've had as coaches is realizing we actually do play a role in whether our athletes are physically healthy or not. And I think that the point we're at now is it's just now needing to have that same understanding that we have a big role to play in the mental health side of things as well. It's just, just like with the ACL and the physical prevention side of things, we have to embrace it and, and understand our role in it and be willing to step back and look at our culture in the same way that that so many coaches did and it's not perfect on the physical side but so many coaches did look at the physical side and have made really positive changes always a pleasure to have dr rachel linval on the united soccer coaches podcast she's from the mindful project and you attack this head on because you say let's take a moment and address the idea that the mental health day in quotes is used to quote get out of fitness or used by the player to punish the coach for not giving them the playing time they want. That's real. 
Yes, it is. And I think like that's that's a lot of the conversations that I heard around the concept of a mental health day or a mental health break um, at the convention, actually. You know, I love the convention because you get to talk to so many coaches. You get to hear what are the problems they're facing right now. You get to really kind of dive in and, and have these conversations and hear these conversations. And I think that that was a, a frustration that I heard a lot was feeling like athletes are using it as an excuse. Like it's a cliche, like, oh, I need a mental health day because I don't want to do fitness or I know we're going to do a lot of running tomorrow. So I need a mental health break. And I think that 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 is real. Right. And I think that that the, the response of coaches to feel frustrated about that is totally normal, but also recognize if they are trying to get out of fitness, that is actually a mental thing as well. Right. So that's actually we can't just say, oh, they're lazy. There could be something a lot deeper than them be, quote unquote, being lazy. Not that lazy athletes don't exist. But if we just classify it as that, then we're maybe missing what's really going on. You attack this head on and then you say, so what am I suggesting coaches do when their athlete asks for a mental health break? Break that down, Dr. Lindwell. Yeah. So first of all, I recommend saying thank them for coming to you. Even if it's an athlete that you think is using it to get out of something, start by just saying, thank you. It takes a lot of courage and bravery to speak up about this. Take it seriously. Have that conversation of saying, hey, is there something that is making it worse at training or, or something that you feel like makes it better at training? Have Use that as an opportunity to have a conversation around what's going on because it could be soccer related or it could be school related. It could be you know family or friends related. And sometimes it feels like soccer is the easiest thing to cut out. And whereas cutting out soccer is probably not going to actually help them, right? So, so just using that as an opportunity, first of all, say, thank you for coming to me. You know, you trusted me with it, but you need this. And then use that as a catalyst for more conversation. And then even though it's counterintuitive to a lot of coaches, go ahead and say, okay, why don't you take tomorrow off? And then when you come back on Thursday, let's have a plan around what we're going to do to help you get in a better place mentally. Um, and that doesn't mean because that a day off is magically going to fix it, but it gives them that room to say, okay, I know that when I take this day off, when I come back, there's going to be an expectation that we work through this because just like with physical injury, taking a day off doesn't prevent injury necessarily, right? There has to be action around it. Um, and so them knowing that, okay, I'm allowed to take this day off, but I'm also expected when I come back that let's do something about this so that I can get in a better spot in the future. You very accurately point out that if you go the wrong way when an athlete says they need a mental health day and you don't believe it, and sometimes it can lead to accusations that can lead to truly negative mental health outcomes. So coaches really have to be careful, don't they? Absolutely. And that's where I recommend like doing that first thing, even if it's not your gut response, thanking them for coming, taking it seriously, and also finding someone in your area that's a mental health professional that you can have a card and I mean, cards are old school, right? But you can physically give them something to say, hey, here's a person you can reach out to because we're not mental health professionals, coaches in general. And so that also is a way of a, they have someone that they can reach out to if it really is serious, but then also you as a coach are you know, unfortunately, we, this is a reality the liability side, our release of that liability, the fact that you did take it seriously, you did recommend them to someone. Um, and because there are all of these sites which can feel really scary for coaches. You wrote an article back in January. We talked about it on the training ground, listing four different things coaches can do to promote 
positive mental health outcomes in their athletes. Remind us what those four things are. Yeah. So one of the, one of the really big things is that comparison piece, um, you know, like helping our athletes with, with dealing with comparison, with dealing perfectionism is, is such a really big one um, that if we can help them with their, uh, their viewpoint and how they view mistakes and failures is, is such a big one. Um, and then ultimately like creating that environment to where, you know, they're not afraid to speak up about things, right? Like they're not afraid to say when they're struggling about something, they're not afraid to have those tough conversations. We create that soil. And I want to actually give a shout to Jess Clinton, who is at Oakland soul, uh, with the USL. That's something that she has made going into coaching that team. She's really working on that soil. And I know a lot of our coaches are as well, but I just want to give her a shout because these are some things that she has specifically tackled and is tackling with her team. And uh, they're going into being a pro coming up this fall. And hopefully they will see the positive, you know, um, the positive outcome with that mental health side of things with the, the women that she's having with her team. May is Mental Health Month, so it's only fitting that we hit the training ground with Dr. Rachel Linval. Her article starts with, quote, I need a mental health break, how to navigate today's mental health culture with our athletes. I want to read the last paragraph, and then we'll end with your thoughts about it. You say, I challenge you to embrace this increased focus on mental health, much like I'm sure you embrace physical health and injury prevention. We are much better as a coaching community at preventing physical injuries than we used to be. Let's work to be better at preventing mental ones too. Yeah, I think that it's just, it's really about perspective. Again, anytime we have something new come at us that feels out of our control, we can sometimes respond in a way of pushing at it, wanting it to go away. Um, and this isn't something that's going away. And it, it is a real reality of what our athletes are facing. They are dealing with, with uh, much bigger pressures, much bigger health issues than our athletes have in the past, or as maybe we experienced in the past. And so I think just, I just really challenge coaches to embrace this in the same way that most, most coaches really have embraced recognizing the need to help prevent physical injury. And so if they can embrace this in the same way and, and take it seriously in the same way, then it can, we can help change the culture of our sport to be one to where, man, if you play soccer, you're going to be in such a better place mentally than people that don't play soccer. And obviously, Dr. Linval, mental health awareness does not need to end in May just because May is Mental Health Awareness Month. You're going to keep it cooking with out of football with Mental Health Mondays, I think it's called, right? Tell us more about yes. that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to be launching on Monday, June 5th at 4 p.m. Eastern. We're going to be doing Instagram Lives with a uh, partnership with Ada and the Mindful Project. And we are going to be spending every Monday this summer giving mental health tips and tools to build that that library of resources for people to be able to build that mental health. Because I think when we talk about um, May being mental health awareness, uh, month. It's really important and great to be aware of mental health. And even like you talked about your son's friend of saying, I need a mental health break, but let, what can we do before that? So we don't get to that point. And that's our goal with auto football this summer is on these, these mental health Mondays is providing tools to help people be able to get to a place so that when they're dealing with emotional challenges, when they're dealing with, you know, all those uncontrollables, all those things, they have the tools to be able to deal with them and not have to basically pull that, you know, that alarm of saying, I need a break, help them not get to that place, or at least not to get to that place quite as frequently. 
Well done to the Mindful Project and Out of Football. Remind us one more time where people can find that every Monday at 4 Eastern. It's going to be either you can find it. It's going to be an Instagram live. So either on Out of Football's Instagram or on uh, the Mindful Project. So the Mindful Project is underscore Mindful Project on Instagram. Dr. Rachel Linval, always a pleasure and always important topics that I'm so glad that you're open to discussing on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thanks for your wisdom and your passion. Always a pleasure to be with you. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Always my pleasure. When we return, we meet another 30 Under 30 member, Zach Hansen, who, by the way, is also from the API Coaches community, which is a nice tie-in as we start with Tiffany roberts Sahadik and we end with 30 Under 30 member Zach Hansen after these messages. Does it feel like all you're doing to manage your team, club, or league is busy work? If so, League Apps can help you get back to doing what you love, delivering a powerful yet simple youth sports management platform. From robust registration and payment tools to automated communications and other software integrations, League Apps saves you time and headaches. Less busy work, more time doing what you love. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Wrapping up our show, meeting another 30 under 30 member. And how awesome is it that we have celebrated API Heritage Month all month long on the United Soccer Coaches podcast today. Tiffany Roberts, I hated kicking off the show. And now our 30 under 30 member, Zach Hansen's Korean, part of the API community. He's the current coach at Eastern Kentucky, where he's an assistant for the women's team, a D1 school. Zach Hansen, great to have you on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Hey, Dean, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to, to hop on and to, to kind of get to, to get to chat with you and, and just kind of, kind of talk soccer, talk EKU, talk, talk my background and 30 under 30 and, and everything that we've got going on. Yeah, that's perfect. You know, and as a follow up to the fact that all month long, it's been API Heritage Month. We've dedicated it to Ashu Saxena and the API, API soccer coaches community kicked it off with Tiffany Roberts Sahadik. You told me before we came on the air, you're Korean. So tell me a little bit about your background, your mom and dad. And are you, you know, were you born in the United States? You know, give me your whole story leading up to Eastern Kentucky. Tell me where you went to college. Don't leave anything out. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, like you said, with it being API um, heritage month, it's, it's been, it's been a really uh, it was a really good, I guess, timing for me to be able to hop on. I have really enjoyed the API coaches community and United Soccer coaches, right? So between Ashu, like you mentioned, and then Johnny Collins, um, who's also Korean himself, right? So we, we've gotten really close over the last couple of years. I actually, it was really funny. So I, I randomly met Johnny and, and Ashu. We were, <laughs> I was doing the advanced national at convention last year. So in Kansas city in 2022, um, and part of that, we were able to kind of get lunch. It was part of the course, right? We were in uh, this room kind of getting lunch every day with a lot of people that had some sort of United Soccer Coaches affiliation. And one day Johnny grabs me and we start chatting. And um, because if you've ever met Johnny Collins, he is not afraid to talk to anybody. And um, he grabbed me, we get to chatting. And then, you know, next thing we knew there was this whole community that I didn't even have any idea was existed or what it meant. And, um, and, and with my background, it's, I always, I kind of joke about it now, but didn't really know if I was, you know, we'll say like Korean enough or Asian enough, right. To even identify. Right. So my mom is 
is half Korean. She was born in Seoul um, to a Korean mother um, and then was raised in the U.S., was adopted, raised in the U.S. Um, by an American family. I, it's been something that I've, it's been a part of my life, right? My, my dad's American as well. Um, and, and so we, it, it's something that I've kind of always known about, but never something that I, I really like fully embraced and, and was able to identify with because I didn't really know much about it, right? And then getting involved with the API coaching community, you know, the soccer coaches has been an unbelievable experience, how much that's unlocked for me as far as like my identity as an Asian American, my kind of like understanding and, and how I fit and and then also just how diverse the API community has been as, as a whole, right? You, you've you known as, as you've kind of gotten through this, this podcast month, right? Like this, the number of different like cultures, backgrounds, it, it's amazing. It's such a, such a great group. And it's been so many great friends that I've, I've made because of the API community with United Soccer Coaches. So it's, it's been an, an awesome, awesome experience and um, something that I'm, I'm really, really proud of. Um, but I guess to circle back, I guess, to your, your whole, you know, my background and then all of that, I guess, and that original question, but, um, you know, I've, I was born in South Florida. I've lived a little bit all over the U S I went to school in, in a, in a small division two school in, in Michigan called Northwood university. Um, I was coaching all through, through school for the most part. Um, and I kind of got to the point where I was graduating school. I didn't really know what was next. I was like trying to figure out at that point, like how I, I find a, a job that lets me coach still, right? That's cool. It's kind of that first you know, step, right? And then um, that year, actually, so I graduated in December. I went to my first ever convention the next January. So a month after I graduated college. Um, and that was the first time I realized, I think that I really could coach as a career. It was the first time I'd had people tell me that, like, and the first time that I'd like really been able to believe that. And so then I, I ended up taking that spring in the middle of the pandemic, um, accepted a job to move down to Virginia and coach full-time club, at a small club in Virginia, um, spent a year there. Um, and then had a, a friend that I had made in a, in a college or in a coaching coach, coaching course, rather, um, reach out to me. Uh, he was taking a, uh, a job in the state of Virginia as an assistant coach, uh, division one school on the women's side, the Virginia military Institute and, um, reached out to me and was like, Hey, we're looking for an, another assistant. You know, do you know of anyone that might be interested? And I was like, well, you know, happened to be that I was kind of, kind of looking, I was kind of interested and I had always wanted to make the jump in the college game. My wife coached college soccer. Um, I've been around college athletics. Like it, it's, it's a, something that I always knew I, I wanted to make that, that transition to, um, and so I jumped two, two feet in all aboard and, and, uh, and then now I, I haven't looked back for, I don't, I don't have any desire to leave the college game. I, I love it. It's, it's been so much fun. And and then now after, after that year at VMI, I've now just finished going on about 12 months out at EKU and, uh, have really loved it. We have a really, really good, um, group here, right? It's, it's a lot of fun. We're in, in year four of our, of our new head coach, I guess, kind of not new anymore, but um, so we're trending in a really good direction. We just had back-to-back -back nine win seasons, our first winning season, a winning record since uh, he's come on board, back-to-back -back conference semifinal appearances. So it's, we're in a really good good spot and it's a, a really exciting place to be here. Awesome story. And you said your wife also coached in college. Is she, is she still coaching in college? <laughs> yeah. So my wife um, is now coaching club primarily. So we have a one-year-old. Um, he turned one two weekends ago, two Saturdays ago. Um, so she's 
it's it works out great. She stays home with him during the day for the most part and is, is coaching um, part time in, in the evenings. So she's coaching um, at Lexington Sporting Club, um, which is, you know, we're right outside of Lexington, Kentucky. So it's about 30 minutes from from EKU. Um, and so she's coaching Girls Academy uh, at LSC and then um, has little ones as well. But she's still the volunteer assistant at Center College is small division three down here uh, as well. Um, so we, we both get pretty involved in the game. Our, our, our GA event weekends are crazy as she's coaching and recruiting. We have a baby usually with us too. Uh, and, and as I'm out recruiting and running around, so it's a, it's a lot of fun, um, as, as we kind of have gotten to this, but you know, we, we love it. So our, our little one has had no choice, but to, to spend a lot of time at the fields in his, in his first year of, of, of life. That's for sure. Wow, what a great story. Congratulations, too, on, on the baby. And uh, you. I mean, you said one years old already, already one, a boy or girl? Yeah, boy, boy, one. He turned one on, on, on the sixth. So we've, uh, What's yeah, his name? it's been a, been a crazy 12 months. His, uh, we, we were coaching club when we were in Virginia as well. And so his, his first, the club that we were coaching at had the part of the GA, they do a lot of a lot of leadership events for, for young women, right? And it's like a big thing for the club and, and for for what we wanted to do at, at that club when we were in Virginia was to really lean into, you know, what the, what the GA does and how it represents, you know, the ability to empower young women. And so we did a, a girls day is kind of was, was our big kickoff. So our, all of our, our GA teams, all of our second teams, they all played like a home match day at the same time in our complex and food trucks also did, you know, big thing. So it was 10 days after our, our son was born. So, and, and we were, we're like, well, we can't, we can't miss girls day. Like we can't miss this big event. Like, so we took him and he was 10 days old. He was out in a stroller on the sidelines and, and, and hanging out at, at the game. So um, we, uh, we definitely have, have, you know, gone all uh, full speed ahead with the the parenting and coaching at the same time. And um, it's, it's been crazy at times, but it's been a lot of fun too. That's wonderful. What's his name? His name's Camden. Camden. Okay. Wonderful. And I love the tie to Lexington sporting club. You know, I, I used to call Sam Stockley when he played for the Carolina Railhawks and then Sam Stockley joined me in the broadcast booth for several years. And now is I think pouring his heart and soul into Lexington sporting club, not just with the USL league one team, but the entire club. Do you ever come across Sam or does your wife ever come across Sam? Yeah. So when we first were moving in, uh, moving over this way, we sat with, with Sam and then Michelle Rayner, who's the women's sporting director at LSC. And so we sat and talked with them for an hour, hour and a half. And in, in the, I mean, in the indoor facility that we have, and um, it's, it's been a really, you know, really cool thing to see like how much they're investing in the club. I mean, Sam's amazing. And, and the stuff that, you know, he he does and and the belief that he has in the direction that the club's going to get right and and you know the the goal for the club is to be a a full you know pathway wreck to set to u23s to pro on both the men's and women's side i think it'll be the first club in the country that has it truly all under one umbrella in one house right and it's it's a it's a really really cool um you know direction that they're going in the the vision is amazing and um opening working on opening up uh the brand new uh complex training complex as well which is is set i think they've got five or six of the turf fields laid down and still more more turf fields and, and grass fields i believe coming too so i mean it's a it's a really cool a really cool um you know thing they've got going on so first year had a little bit of, of bumps as, as you would assume right in, in in the first year of the club and so we obviously know the youth side pretty well I've, i'm involved in the youth side of the club as well um 
So a little bit on the side when I can manage it. Right. But, um, but it's, it's been a really good first year for the, for the club as well. It's, it's, it's cool. And, and like you said, Sam, Sam's awesome. He's, he's a, he's a really, really good dude and, and he's doing really good things there. If you've listened to my interviews with the 30 under thirties, I call it my crystal ball question. Uh, I love where your path is already taking you. I love the fact that even when you went to college, you discovered early that you wanted to be a coach. And then I love how you told when you were done, you're like, man, how do I figure out a way to keep on doing this? And you've exactly done that. But uh, where do you see yourself 15 years from now? Yeah, that's a million dollar question, right? Like, you know, that's the thing with, with, with coaching. It's, it's so, you know, I think volatile is usually a negative word, but like, I think it's the right, right word, right? Like you just never know, right? You never know. It's good. It, it goes in, the, in a million different directions. You know, I think I, I always wore back and forth too. Like, you know, what, what do I want? So I don't know, I think is the, is the cop-out answer is I don't, I don't know what I'm excited <laughs> to see where, where it goes. Right. And whether that's, you know, continuing and, and trying to climb the, you know, the division one ladder is, is difficult. Right. And try, trying to get, you know, there's even within division one soccer, there's so many different layers and so many different steps and, and both being, you know, the steps of being an assistant coach and then also the steps of climbing as a head coach then too. Right. And, you know, I definitely, I want to want to be a head coach. Right. And, and at what level and at, at what um time that is i i don't know right but i think you know, that's for me i've i've head coached the youth level i've head coached at the u23 level um it's something that i enjoy and, and you know right now i'm blessed in a situation where i get to you know i love coaching like being on the field coaching right so in my current role i do a lot of our training i, I lead training most days i do a lot of session design i do a lot of session planning our um whole you know tactical periodization throughout the semester in the spring like i led a lot of our design for that whole thing right so i for me i'm in a fantastic position where i get to you know lead a lot of the the soccer bits right and i also get to get a you know i'm the recruiting coordinator as well right so i do a lot of the heavy you know load recruiting wise too which i think are the two probably most most fun things about coaching collegiately so i'm in a great spot right now and 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 i'm blessed to have an amazing boss who gives me a lot of you know creative freedom to to kind of roll with things and to to feel things out and and to to learn by doing and and that's amazing right so you know we'll see right now we've got a really exciting thing. Like I said, you know, we're in a great spot. We have an awesome class coming in, um, in 2023, you, you know, youth national team pool, you know, from, from internationals, we have players with professional experience. I mean, it's a really fun class we've got coming in on 23 in 23 layering on top of a 2022 class that was near, you know, excuse me, a 2022 season with a good chunk of returners. And, um, so right now I'm, I'm, you know, really excited to kind of see what's next at EKU. Not a cop-out answer at all. That was from your heart, and I appreciate it. I do think you understand that having the stamp of being a member of this esteemed 30 under 30 class will help your cause today. It'll help your cause 10 years from now. When you think about being a member of the United Soccer Coaches 30 under 30 class, what does it mean to you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really, really special, you know, special thing. I, you know, I'm, I'm really really I, it's hard to put into words sometimes right like what it what it means right because I think this is a an organization that is so like integral to the development of of coaches especially you know I say young coaches because that's my experience but I think it's it's integral to the development of coaches in in general right you know I think it's the opportunities that United Soccer Coaches has 
not only for like formal education pathways of growth in that sense, but then also like the, the amount of avenues that it opens to network, to learn from others, to have common ground with people, to create friendships and, and opportunities to learn with others is, is unbelievable. I mean, it's unlike anything else in the world. Right. And so, you know, being a part of 30 under 30, I think is almost that kind of like, you know, next layer into that, right. It's, it's another avenue that, you know, I, I'm, I'm so excited to continue to explore. I've, I've, you know, right now, the way it's structured this year is we're in smaller groups. So the five of us that are in, in my group, like it's been really fun getting to know them and, and to work with them and, and learn some of their backgrounds. And it, we've got a diverse, you know, group with ours. We've got you know, everything from, from college coaches to we've got one of our, our guys. I don't know if you've spoken to Alex yet, but his story with him working with Arsenal and, and, and doing some of the analyst work with that and, and, and some of that deep dive, like it's, it's just such a wide range within our group. And so it's been a really fun kind of chance to, to learn from them already. And then uh, hopefully, you know, it's, it sets a foundation for a continued friendship and, and, and growth as, as professionals together as, as we move forward too. Great conversation with Zach Hansen, another fine member of our 30 under 30 class, as he's already said, a member of the API community and already involved in the API soccer coaches community, which is awesome at such a young age and part of the 30 under 30 class. Finally, you know, Zach, as I take a look at it, you've already got three diplomas with United Soccer Coaches, so you clearly understand their value. We'll end with this. When you hear those three words, United Soccer Coaches, what does it mean to Zach Hansen? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's it's a it's a place and it's a it's a thing that represents. You know, I I it's I don't want to be corny and circle it back to United Soccer Coaches, like you know the home of all coaches, right? Is is what it stands for. But I think it truly does mean that to me. I think United Soccer Coaches has meant so many different things to me as as I've gone throughout my career. First, it was just this organization that had this diploma that I could do without having to. You know, I was I was eligible for it, so I jumped on it. Right, and then now it's it's provided me you know a community of 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 people and with the api coaches community that have have welcomed me and unlocked so many more doors opportunities friendships relationships opportunities for growth within myself and then it's now even opened up even more with 30 under 30 and a whole another layer of of people and opportunities and and chances to get involved with this organization so um i think it really represents what you know coaches should strive for and and that's like an a large community of of open-minded people willing to learn willing to share willing to collaborate and um it, it's been a it's been a blessing to be in, involved with the organization as much as i have been well i gotta be honest with you it's been a blessing to spend some time with you particularly your tie-in with the api soccer coaches community learning about your young son, Camden, which is awesome, learning that both you and your wife are working with Lexington SC and a man and Sam Stockley. And then I know Michelle as well. Great people, great clubs. Zach, I love your story. I want to wish you the best of luck on what looks to be a promising season for the Eastern Kentucky women's soccer team, where you're the assistant women's soccer coach. And more importantly, as we celebrate the 30 under 30 members, congratulations on being a part of that class. Really enjoyed meeting you via Zoom. I hope to see you at a convention down the road, Zach Hansen. And thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Dean. I really appreciate it. It's been another great show. I want to thank all of our amazing guests. I also want to thank Bailey Conklin, Brandon Milburn, and all the great folks at United Soccer Coaches. Sarah Wilbur, who helped us get Zach Hansen. You know who you are at United Soccer Coaches. And I want to thank all the members, my producer, Colin Thrash, for each and every one of them. And all of you, I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you next week for another edition 
of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by League Apps. Thanks for listening to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. To learn more about League Apps, find them at leagueapps.com or as League Apps on all of the social networks. And to learn more about United Soccer Coaches, visit us at unitedsoccercoaches.org.